0: What's happening Troops, welcome back to a Little House and the Prairie podcast. This week we have episode nine of the podcast. Up until this point, you guys have showed me a lot of support and I just wanted to let you all know that I really, really appreciate it. Um, This week we're joined by a very special guest out of Edmonton, Alberta, the man, the myth, the legend, Will Hempfrey. How are you, Will? What's up, man? I'm great. How are you doing? Yeah, not too bad, man. Not too bad. Uh, Well, thanks for having me on. No, thank you for coming on and giving me the time to sit down and speak to you here. I mean, it's been a few weeks coming, but finally we're getting around to it. And uh, yeah, it's one I've been looking forward to here, definitely. All right, man. Sweet. Well, things move slow these days, but it's happening. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, tell me about it. Um, So we're just going to jump right in here and get started and uh, talk a little bit about how you got started in dance music uh, and what it was that kind of attracted you to DJing and... Uh, playing house music to the people. Yeah, man, like, I mean, you kind
1: of got me thinking about this the other day, so I guess the way it goes is like, I I was always just musically inclined, you know, played some instruments through middle school and stuff and kind of like lost touch with music for a while, kind of going into high school, getting into the end of it. You know, a lot lot of people lose touch around that that time of of their life, you know? But I ended up going to some all-age club events growing up in Ontario, and uh I grew up in Brampton which is like a suburb of Toronto and we used to go to the they had these crazy all age club events and we ended up at this club called The Government which was a massive like 10,000 person club it was insane and uh yeah that was the first time I heard house music and just like I just remember walking into this club and into the lights and just like into the atmosphere and, you know uh Like, I wish I knew looking back that that was like such a turning point in my moment. That was the catalyst for something. But, you know, at the time I thought it was a phase. And then years later, I'm just still listening to house music every day. And so just as a hobby, I picked up a a Tractor S2 was my first controller. Tractor is an awesome software, especially if you're learning. Anyways, uh, (laughs) just started playing some house parties, ended up playing some good house parties and being asked, uh, you know, people keep asking you where can I see you play at a bar or a club? And I figured, you know, if people keep asking me this, maybe I should, I should try out. And you go up and down uh, the, the uh, club Avenue or the busiest one anyways, in Edmonton is called white Avenue. And uh, I just remember going up and down white Avenue with a CD because like, I think smartphones were out at the time and stuff, but I like this was like 2013, maybe so like i I don't think i had one i think some people did i can't remember but anyway it was the very end of the days of cds so i I caught it right on the tail end of cd era some people i remember were still coming to the clubs actually at the time with those big books of cds
0: yeah
1: but anyway i just got turned down for like a couple months trying to go to clubs and hand out my cd and it was kind of you know it was kind of uh um discouraging for sure to have like other djs that they would like honestly not even give it a second look and they would hand it back to me. And I was like, what? Like you can at least, you could at least like throw it out when I'm not looking. Like you, know, you gotta throw it right back in my face. Like, ah oh, man, that hurts. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah. Eventually someone put me on a friend of mine. He became a great friend of mine, but at the time I just met him because he played a song. I remember we were at this club called Twist, which was uh, a staple in Edmonton at the time. Like I said, this was like 2013, 2014 and um, the club is long gone now, but that club is what put me on anyways, and uh, this guy Levi in particular, who introduced me to the promotions manager for their Friday nights, and after one one gig only, they offered me a residency, which eventually led to, uh, I ended up uh, taking over this guy's position when he left as the main promoter, and then I was in a position to start giving back and put on other DJs, which was you know such a super awesome feeling especially because i'd only been playing in clubs for like a year or two at the time but that's that's the best part
0: right is when you get to when you get to give back yeah for sure uh when you get that opportunity to finally find yourself in a position where you are the person who people are giving out their cds to and uh who are uh, giving out their sample mixes to it's it's nice uh, it's, it's a moment where you kind of look back and everything's come full circle and uh and you are now in the position where you can't, you don't have to be that person who just doesn't even listen to anyone's mixes and hands it straight back. You can, you can finally give people a chance and try and put on the new up and coming DJs that are working hard and uh, developing their skills. Um, So what was it like uh, back then? I guess that would have been around the time where uh, they still had the CDJ 900 where a lot of people were actually playing CDs, right? It wasn't so people much. People were playing CDs. CDs. I think the club the club had the 2000s, but I think it was before 2000 Nexus. Um, but
1: I think the 2000 Nexus came out like real soon after, like 2015 or 2016. Yeah. But yeah, it was definitely like a very transitional period because uh, even now, like people are moving away from even USBs and stuff now. They've got like B-Port Link and stuff. Like things are
0: just happening so fast, right?
1: Yeah, I do remember just some of the old school guys
0: bringing CDs still at that time. Yeah, everything's just streamed now. I mean, you can you can sync everything up with like Beatport Link. I know SoundCloud you can sync things up with. Uh, I guess there's other platforms that are doing some other different things. I know. I don't know which uh, software is using it, but I know someone's partnered up with Spotify and or you're able to stream songs off of Spotify now too. Are you um, onto Pioneer? Damn, that's a I lot don't know one. if it's I don't know if it's Pioneer, but maybe maybe Denon. I'm yeah, not sure. I'd have to fact check. check that. Don't uh but I'm sure <laughs> I've read something about it. Um but what was Denons it like then? Cool, man. I like
1: them. They're they're so comparable. I've only played on them once or twice, but they're so comparable to the CDJ and just so much cheaper.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I've never owned a pair myself. Um, but from what I've heard from other people who do own them or have played on them um they're very they're very similar in terms of cdjs and what it is that they're trying to do and denon are kind of pushing the limits here and uh they're trying to push things forward they're always coming out with some new things i know the touchscreen was a big thing on the on the latest ones that they brought out and then you saw pioneer follow that but um from from what I've heard, the reason why mostly the pioneer stuff is uh, being used in the clubs is just because of the the actual build of it, right? Is they're a little bit more sturdy and a little bit more, uh, I guess, disaster proof. Is maybe a good way to put it in terms of the build. And I don't know how true that is. I like I said, I've never played on them myself, and uh, I've definitely never owned a pair of A little, little bit too much money for me, but. Um, no, apparently that's that's kind of the reason why you're finding a lot of the Pioneer stuff. But um, what was it like then for you transitioning over as someone who's playing house parties and playing on your controller, um, then being put in front of a, cl- a bigger crowd in a club? It's dark, it's loud, and you're playing on the CDJs now. It's, it's not just the controller that you're comfortable on.
1: Yeah, yeah. I actually, I went through um, a long time of practice beforehand. That's a good story. Yeah. So I actually, um, I had reached out to a guy before I started handing out the CDs. I'd reached out to a guy on Kijiji to buy a pair of, I think it was CDJ 900s. And, uh, he got back cause I wanted to practice cause I didn't want to be the DJ who had to bring his controller to the club every time, which it's fine. If you do like no disrespect to anyone who does, I just didn't want to do that. Um, I just love the convenience of just bringing my USBs and some headphones. Right. And, uh, Anyway, so I messaged this guy on Kijiji, and he said he had already sold the 900s when I got to, when I finally got to him. But he said he sold them because he was upgrading to the the new 2000s. And then he said, "Hey, like, if you ever want to jam, I don't really have anyone to jam with." And so I ended up making this uh, relationship with the guy over uh, over Kijiji based on just a mutual love for house music, which is which is awesome, right? Like, yes. I, I didn't buy anything off of him; like, there was no transaction made. But I ended up going over to his house every Sunday for at least like two or three months. And that was like our Sunday ritual that he just wanted someone to jam with. And I wanted to familiarize myself with that equipment. So that was a huge, huge help for me. And I mean, I'm not really in touch with that guy anymore, which just kind of sucks, but I was in touch with him for years. And I ended up, you know, two years later when I had some sway in the club, I ended up being able to give him his first ever live DJ set which, like I said, was just such an awesome feeling for both of us. <laughs> yeah, That's funny. Cool. So that, that helps, but, you know, it's definitely very different, um, like everyone knows, to like play for a crowd than it is to, like, it just, I, in the beginning, I would prepare a whole set list and kind of, like, come up with transitions that I had in mind, songs that would work together. And I find that, like, every time I get in front of a crowd, kind of throw that all away immediately, as soon as, like, you start seeing what works and what doesn't work.
0: Yeah, it's more about the kind of feeling out process, right? Is uh, like you can have something in your head that uh, like a plan in your head that you think is going to work well and it doesn't always work out like that. So like that's where the live performance aspect of it comes into is you have to be adaptable as a DJ. You have to be someone who can who can take the feedback from the crowd. And if it's not working, switch it up and go in another direction and find something that does and if it is working, it's pedal to the metal and and keep uh, keep people dancing, right? You can really start controlling the, the energy in the room. And that's kind of what the, the great DJs do, right? Is they have control over the crowd, they, they know what to play and when to play it. And a lot of it is just going on a limb. Most of it is, uh, well, Carl Cox had a famous saying is, uh, give me a hundred tracks in two hours. And if I can't make anything happen, then I shouldn't be. I shouldn't be playing music for people. I shouldn't be a DJ. Yeah.
1: Yeah, totally, man. And Nick, you're not a. You're not a band, so I had to get rid of that idea. But initially, just playing in your bedroom and just trying to play for a CD, it was all planned out, right? The whole set list. Yeah. And then I tried to take that to the club. My first few sets, and like, no, nope, I'm not a band. I don't need to have a whole set list. So yeah, you definitely bring more tracks. Of course, be prepared for. All sorts of situations, <laughs> multiple
0: genres. Yeah, but still, definitely get creative with it as well. Yeah, man, for sure. Yeah. And so that was back in. You said roughly about two thousand thirteen that that would have that you would have kind of got your first gig in the club. What would you say? I think
1: 2013, I started handing out CDs, and then it was like early 2014. 2014. It, was, it was actually Valentine's Day, 2014. I remember that because it's an easy date to remember. Yeah. So that was a fun set. I did plan it all out like really well because I had—I think I remember—I had like so much love-based music.
0: But <laughs> well, that's that's good. how it goes with house music. I think a lot of it is uh, love-based. That's true. It's good not good hard music, to find
1: right? love-, love songs in house music, huh? Yeah. <laughs>
0: So what has it been like then from then until now in terms of the development of the scene in Edmonton, like uh, the growth? And I guess you've always got clubs opening and uh, clubs closing, unfortunately, but how has the scene developed over the last six, seven years here? I mean, I think we've definitely seen
1: house music get more popular, that's for sure. Like that club that I spoke of, Twist, was like uh, such a staple at the time. And it was like the only place putting on uh, like just all local DJs all the time. We had the odd headliner, like international guy come through once every month or two. But for the most part, it was a packed place. It was only like 170 capacity, but it was it was the spot to go. And it was all us local guys playing. So it was super awesome just to, you know, have that local feel and like a small intimate venue. And I don't think Edmonton's really had anything like that since. Since then, everyone seems to need to bring a headliner to fill it which maybe has something to do with the the clubs are just too big. You know, you can't have a huge 500 person club and, and expect to fill it really with a local DJ. I mean, that'd be awesome. Like who wouldn't love that?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Especially out here as well. Like uh, I, I would imagine Edmonton is very similar to what it's like in Saskatchewan. And I guess across all the prairies in terms of you have a very limited audience to attract, right? Like there's, in some of the bigger places, there's so many people that you can fill these venues. Like Just about every venue is packed every other weekend because you have such a wide pool to pull from. Whereas here, you're almost limited to the people within your city just because there's maybe not as many places round about. I mean, I guess you guys have Calgary, which is only a few hours away. But in terms of Regina, I think other than Saskatoon, winnipeg's five hours and you guys are like seven hours seven and a half hours a or something like You're that. three
1: hours from you
0: yeah it's like two and a half three hours depend well depending
1: yeah, on the just calgary and we get a lot of we get a lot of like mix over at least in the summertime usually if it wasn't COVID, there's a lot of festivals here and there's also a lot in calgary and uh a lot of people definitely make the trip for those There's like there's a really great like uh Budang is like one of the big ones here in uh, Edmonton, and they also do the, some of the ones in Calgary, I think. And they put on awesome summer festivals. um But yeah, in terms of development of the scene, man, like, it's definitely changed. Things change so rapidly, you know. We went from I feel like small small venues to bigger venues. Things just that's just the way the world is, I guess. It just keeps getting bigger and bigger production everywhere.
0: Yeah, I think everyone is uh, seeing what's happening in the in the scene in the community here in terms of these mega clubs and the super clubs that you're seeing in Europe and some of these places in America and uh, definitely down in South America. They're, they're putting on some ridiculous productions and I think everyone's kind of trying to follow suit, whereas for me, I think you've got to have the balance because those clubs are sick. Like, I've been to a few of those in my time, but my favorite clubs are still the small too, <laughs> intimate sweaty you know that way it's like just so hot in there and it's just and you, you can you can like reach out and touch the dj right yeah yeah the- yeah it's right there and you can kind of you can kind of get more of a feel there's more of a connection to the crowd as a dj and there's like there's nothing there's nothing separating you from the music, really. You're you can be right there. You can watch everything the DJ is doing. You can be lo- loving it. The sound system's right in front of you. Like you're lucky you can sneak up into the DJ booth, even. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I, I've preached on here quite a bit about uh, about sub club in Glasgow, um, just because of some of the times I've had in there. For me, it's throughout all the clubs I've been to. That is. Always going to be number one, and it may just be me being a little bit biased, but that club is is so sick. Like the the entrance to the club is literally just the door. Like nine times out of ten, walking past it in the street, you wouldn't even notice it was there until you Mm -hmm. get in there, and it's just this small, little dark like club. There's there's zero light. There's just candles, like tea light candles on the table, and there's a little seating area, a couple of booths, and then the dance floor. And on the dance floor. At one side, there's just like uh, it's like big cages, and the sound system is in the cages, so you oh, can God. literally like put your hand on the on the thing. They're rattling <laughs> and the music. Yeah, it's it's crazy, and it's just su- it's such a tight environment, but it's it's an amazing place to be. It's. Uh, and I, I love I love the, the like
1: unmarked door. That's such a great. Uh, we have a place like that in Edmonton, not with crazy cages, but uh, a place uh, called the Bower, where there's no sign. And it's down a little staircase downtown so like if you don't know you don't know
0: right you can't find the place really (laughs) that's it and and that's what that club is like is like is it's under it's downstairs underneath uh like underneath the kind of the buildings above and you probably wouldn't notice it if you didn't know it was there and yet every other week or every other yeah every other week I guess they're bringing in some of the the biggest names in dance music that are playing yeah, the, the
1: lineup out front can give it away though
0: hey yeah, <laughs> yeah a little bit yeah. but they've, they've kind of adopted the they've kind of adopted the door system similar to the the famous one at the Bergkind in Germany as well where they've got a, a bouncer who stands out front and it's he like
1: judges you know, how cool he thinks you are pretty much <laughs> yeah
0: it's like 50 it's not even that it's like 50 questions as to why you're there so like unless you like kind of know who's playing and you have an idea of what's going on here, you can get in. But if it's just someone who's maybe on a night out and been bar hopping and then sees a line and thinks, oh, I'm going to join this, and it's it's maybe not as easy to get in for those people because they're maybe more likely to cause problems and they're not out to enjoy themselves. They, just, and, uh, they want the crowd uh, that's there for the music. Yeah, that's it. And uh, I think they do a, they do a great job in there of doing that. Have you been? (laughs) But um, no, I think uh, I think we're seeing a development across the prairies here, and we're starting to slowly move away from uh, from the kind of country and rock music, and try and incorporate a little bit more of dance music, even across Canada too. I mean, you're seeing a lot of the kind of local artists are now getting a lot more uh, notoriety and are starting to blow up a little bit and taking on, I guess, the foreign markets, and you're seeing them playing in Europe and seeing them playing uh, down south there. But it's cool that this, uh, I was speaking about this a few weeks ago too, it's cool that this COVID situation, because nobody can travel anywhere, it's forced a lot of the Canadian artists to be playing in Canada. And a lot of the people who are here, who were going and seeing all these big headliners from all over wherever they were bringing them in from, are now getting to learn more and be more educated about the artists that are in their local area because everyone's supporting one another. Everyone's doing the live stream thing, and yeah, uh, every, and, everyone's, yeah and everyone's just uh, coming together as a community within Canada to promote one another, and it's it's fantastic to see. And I know you've been doing a lot of that. You've been doing a lot of Twitch streams. I uh, have been lucky to tune in and be a part of some of those. But what did you find? Like, how did you find that transitioning from being in a club now back to being a essentially a bedroom DJ, where you're DJing <laughs> and in your house, and you're you don't have the live crowd there to feed off of, you don't have the live reactions, and uh, you're doing everything remotely. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the chats help a bit, but uh, yeah, it's definitely different. And uh,
1: like, I'm I'm still learning. I think I think everyone is doing it. Like most of us DJs, anyway. I've only been doing it at most for like a year and uh, or whatever it was, 14 months, 15 months since the initial lockdown. And so we're all still learning and I'm still trying to add new stuff every week to the stream. And uh, yeah, it's definitely different uh, because, yeah, now you don't have the crowd to react off of. Having the chats helps, but it's not still not quite the same, right? As noticing people start to bob their heads and stuff. You get a lot of emotes and things. (laughs) It helps but like my favorite part about the whole twitch thing is like you said is I'm, i'm even discovering um other canadian djs that i didn't really know about or maybe i'd heard of but i've made some connections like with a lot of guys in calgary in particular but some in bc as well and even like ontario um just through doing these raid trains and stuff which is like if you don't know what a raid train is it's like when you end your stream on twitch you can bring all of your followers and what's called a raid to another DJ or another streamer that's on right now. Yeah. And, uh, there's some cool DJs like shout out to DJ pre in Vancouver. who has been putting some on. And then there's this guy, Mike don't in Toronto. Who's put me on a few, that one's called disco national. And, uh, we basically just toss followers around and it's really cool. Cause a lot of the, a lot of the crowd that I get now is I, I'm sure it's going to change, like that your common person is still kind of learning about Twitch, but now all his DJs are on it. So pretty much for the most part, 90% of my crowd, I feel like when I'm streaming, is other DJs. Which it that almost in a way sometimes I, I it puts more pressure on me than playing in front of a crowd of drunk people, you know. <laughs> now I'm yeah, like, oh yeah, shit, yeah. like I better, I better do well. I got this big DJ from Calgary that's watching me that like, oh no, <laughs> which is cool though. I love that. I love the uh the nerves, right? That's what you that's what you live for, the nerves. And then when you kill it, it feels even better.
0: Yeah, it brings out the adrenaline. And I know you've been, like you mentioned there, uh, you've been involved with a few different, uh, I guess, p- online promoters who have been doing the Twitch streams and the raids. And you mentioned Disco Nationale. And we'll get to that in a little bit here. But I wanted to kind of uh, talk to you a little bit about Sweat, Y-E-G, that you've been part of. Uh, and doing a lot of streams with them. And I know that you were involved with them before this whole COVID thing. So how did that kind of come about? Where did the transition happen from when you were DJing in Twist and you were uh, doing a lot of the promotion stuff and booking some other DJs to open and things like that? Where did that transition happen where you decided to join up with those guys? Well, that was great, man. I I actually, like, first started talking to them, I think,
1: online talking to Joseph. So Joseph is a great uh, promotions guy. He's now an awesome producer, which he's gotten into over COVID. And uh, he started Sweat, I think, uh, maybe two years before I joined it. And uh, they were playing at a club like two doors down from where I was playing at Twist. And on one of my Friday nights, I they had an artist who I was really enjoying at the time called Solid Disco. This was like, as I was I was very like house music and deep house at the time. And I was kind of just getting into this new disco thing. And these guys sweat the new disco dance party. were bringing solid disco. And I snuck out from my night, my club gig pretty much halfway through because I had some other DJs playing and uh, I went to check this show out. And that's how I kind of first I didn't know who was putting it on. Really. I knew they were called sweat. I didn't know who was behind sweat. So I ended up reaching out to them afterwards online, and uh, speaking with Joseph a little bit. And uh, when when twist closed, I just started uh, going to their shows a lot. I mean, initially, I think I maybe even asked, hey, can I can I DJ your night? And I think they said no, but you know, come out and support. And uh, you know, we'll see what happens in the future. Which of course, kind of makes sense to me because I probably would do the same, you know, if I've never seen or heard of someone just no, you can't just play but you know, prove you love it. Right. And so I, I definitely proved that because I was loving what they were doing. It was in the basement of a, a taco shop basically called El Cortez just off White Avenue. But El Cortez is this like super grungy, like Mexico vibe. And they had this thing called the tequila cellar, which was, you would have loved it if you loved the sweaty, intimate venues. Cause I think it was like 80 people capacity. And a uh, very low ceiling, like you could, you could pretty much reach up and touch the ceiling. So it got quite hot in this room and there was a uh, 50 to 80 people in it. And so that's why it was aptly named, uh, sweat, I guess. And anyway, I just went to their shows every, every damn show for like six months. And then eventually, I guess I proved my loyalty enough. They put me on and, uh, after one gig, they offered me residency and I've been with them pretty much ever since, which was, I think, 2016. That's I took secondary. a brief hiatus to go traveling for a year, but other than that, um, that's great. It, uh, got it's, it's a very no pressure kind of gig. I love working with these guys. Um, you know, a lot of other promotion companies you've worked with, it's a lot of pressure to sell tickets more than it is like to, you know, just rock the decks and do a good job. And uh, I've never really felt that pressure there. Sometimes, you know, we've got lots of friends coming out, but if I don't, I'm not
0: like feeling guilty or worried. And we've become like the best of friends, all of us. So. Yeah. Well, that's, it's nice to have a team around you that's uh, that's willing to put, to do their part, to work towards um, a singular goal. Like, it takes the pressure off of you as a DJ, like you said, of having to be a DJ, a promoter, run business, um, doing all these other extra things when you've got other people round about you who's there to help with that. And then it's an absolute bonus the fact that you're actually friends with these people and you guys get on and everything everything else that comes with it is just uh almost icing on top of the cake and i know uh i know that you guys have been doing some shows on twitch and doing your raids and things like that and even from me tuning into some of uh, the shows that you guys you've been doing with them i've almost been put on to some of the other guys who uh, are part of the sweat family i guess And they have a fantastic lineup of DJs. Like there's a couple of you guys that I've watched that I really, really enjoyed. And bear in mind, (laughs) like I I love all kinds of dance music. My, over the years, I've like, we talked about before is you kind of develop your own taste and your own line. And for me, a lot of that, especially when I'm out or when I'm listening to music is more of the kind of like hard, acid techno, like, plus 140 bpm like getting up there some heavy oh, wow. stuff <laughs> but like I love some techno too don't get me wrong yeah but like the disco stuff as well is is something it's more when I'm driving and things like that or if I'm just having a chill night or it's more uh it's more it's easier to digest if I'm having friends over and things like that so uh, I definitely cover the, the whole range but tuning into your guys streams and almost being exposed to all of that kind of new disco style, housey style, again, has made me find a new love for it. And it's... Yeah, I mean, what I love about it too
1: is kind of like what you said, I find it just so versatile that I I could play it midday in a lounge or on a patio, or I feel like I could play it midnight peak hour at the club and it always goes off. So (laughs) that's
0: definitely a huge appeal of it for me. Yeah, most definitely. And I know along with the sweat stuff, like you said before, you were involved with Disco National, And uh, I was first put onto Disco Nationale uh, by JNL, who I had on episode five of the podcast here. He was part of that for, or he has been part of that over the last couple of months here. A train of raids where it starts on the East Coast and... Yeah, the time so like I think the last one they had like rest. 13 DJs, and yeah, they usually start
1: because of the time zones. It makes the most sense. Um, I'm pretty sure they've had uh, some Montreal DJs play. I'm not sure if it's been farther east than that, like any Halifax or anything like that, but I could be wrong because I'm, I'm not even sure of all the DJs that are on it. But uh, yeah, it's put on by a guy. The main dude is a guy called Mike Don't, or Mike Donut, and he's uh, based out of Toronto. And then uh, there's Mikey DeRosa in Calgary, and uh, Joseph has helped out with some planning and stuff too. But there's a lot of people yeah, involved, and basically it starts usually around 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, or what, what? What's the Ontario? Is that the name of the Ontario time zone? Yeah. I can't Eastern Standard Time. Yeah. Eastern Standard Time, and then uh, yeah, it goes for like one hour of DJ slots for the next 12, 13 hours, pretty much. So by the time it ends, usually I've closed the, I've played three times and closed two of those times, which is 11 PM only here. Um, but for yeah, the guys in Ontario, Montreal, it's like 2 AM. If you're further, I, it's cool. Cause I've had people tune in even from like PEI, which is pretty much as far as, as far East as you can go in Canada. Yeah. And then the time difference is like, I think it's four hours. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe less. Yeah, that's crazy. But yeah, shout out to Mike Don't.
0: He's the guy to look up because uh, he's the main man behind uh, Disco Nationale. Yeah, I might have to reach out to him and see if uh, he would be interested in being part of this and uh, sitting down and speaking to me because the concept behind that was when I heard about it, I was like, okay, that's that's pretty sick, and it's it's very smart the way that they've done it there. And I know. Uh, I've I've spoke to a couple of guys that have been involved in it and a lot of the music that's played again is very similar to your style in terms of the new disco and disco stuff. Yeah, that's why it it's so well. and, <laughs> and uh, it builds on it essentially builds on all of the foundations of dance music, right? Is it's all like inclusion and love and uh equal opportunity and just everyone coming together as a community and supporting one another and uh i think you guys have been very successful with that and i haven't unfortunately i haven't been able to catch many of the streams most of the time it's like popping in and out when i have a spare 20 minutes or so and between uh whatever i've got going on but um no it's it's fantastic that you're seeing a lot of people across canada all coming together for one cause and all helping each other out and supporting each other so uh yeah, just with the Twitch stuff, it's it's very very cool what you're doing, and it's yeah, uh, you- a
1: fantastic byproduct of it is these connections that I've made, which were not for COVID. Yeah, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't have all these friends now, and I'm just excited for COVID to end and um, see what kind of cross promotion we can do with real gigs. You know, now that i now that we've got these connections, we've already started kind of talks with some of these people. About you know having some of the guys up from Calgary now to play with us at some of our sweat shows, and then vice versa, us going down there. So and that's it's gonna be great, man. When when things finally really open up, and like I've you know it's it's times of like real strife like we've had over the past little while that like really breed like a crazy burst in culture. So I think it's gonna be roaring twenties all over again, and we're gonna have we're going to have all these new connections and we'll be able to travel and meet some new friends. Cause I have so many new online friends because <laughs> of Twitch. And like I said, all DJs pretty much. Yeah, so, and good. like, even you, man, now I've got you. So I've, I never would have had a reason to go to Regina before. So now it's like, it's cool because of all this stuff. And I mean, COVID probably was one of the things that gave you some free time to start investing in making your own podcast. Right. And yeah. It's, but that It's was pushed it. us to be creative in new ways, that's for sure. But it's also made so many new friends over yeah, farther distances.
0: That was it. I mean, for me, it was something that a few people had kind of mentioned to me and said to me a few times. And I'd always just kind of dismissed it and shied away from it. And then when COVID came around, it was more so that I've, I've got more time now than I ever have. So, I mean, why not give it a go and see see what happens? And it's, it's about something that I love to do and – Uh, whether it's, whether COVID had happened or not, I was still love dance music and I would be going to shows and I'd be traveling around and doing my best to get where I wanted to go as, as often as I could. So for me, it was a no brainer to sit down with some people like you and other artists from across Canada and along with getting to showcase your skills on the mixes, allowing you guys to come on here and, Express yourselves in a different way, where people can get to know you as as artists, as people, and share some amazing stories that you have had on your journeys. Because, like you said, it's like we kind of covered it earlier. It's kind of crazy how a lot, how ironic a lot of things are, and how everything swings in circles in terms of uh, like when you were out looking for your first gig, and the guy who the guy who had helped you by allowing you to come and play on his cdjs who you met over kijiji and then all of a sudden you're in a position where you're able to hand him his first gig and repay what i get essentially the favor that he done you in the first place months prior yeah man that's a that's the
1: greatest feeling i think you can have and that's like that's it I'm, we're almost getting that same feeling with these twitch raids you know like i get a bunch of people tuned in i get raids and then we return the favor pretty much and we all kind of share viewers and there's, there's definitely a rewarding feeling coming from all that similar to
0: similar to playing in clubs and playing with other DJs in person. Well, I'm sure when it, when the transition happens and we are back to playing in clubs and back to playing in person, that it'll be, it'll be something that's, that'll show, how do I say this? I'll show more How important those connections actually are and how much this time has meant because like you said you're you're making more friends on twitch you're getting to know other djs you're uh, doing more networking connecting with other people from within canada so hopefully that will allow a lot of the people who are in the canadian dance music scene in the community to then feel more inclined to support one another and we can see the community grow at a rate faster than we ever have and uh, see these shows who are primarily Canadian based DJs uh, coming out and we may not feel as much of a need to bring in the massive headliners all the time. I mean, it's always nice to bring in some guys that you, that when you, they come in and they play, you're like, okay, yeah, I got to go and see that. But there's, there's so many talented people who maybe don't get the recognition that they deserve. And um, just because, everyone's looking for the next big name to play on the shows. So I think uh, once everything opens back up and we see uh, guys traveling within Canada and, and realizing the worth of the Canadian DJs and uh, I guess at the same time, honoring the support that they've, they've shown to one another throughout this hard time, uh, we can really see things get kicked on and see, see some amazing stuff happening. And yeah, I, Edmonton somewhere that I haven't been out to yet. I've been Calgary, I've been in the mountains and everything. I haven't quite got to Edmonton. So it would be fantastic to come out and come to one of the sweat shows or whatever you guys got going on out there and finally get to sit down and meet you guys in person and uh and I guess party, dance. Yeah,
1: man, for sure. You should make it out. We've got a we've got a great venue here called the the grindstone right now that we use. And it's uh uh, my mate, Joseph, actually, that I was speaking of, his brother is a uh, he's into theater and like magic, performance magic. And so this is like a comedy club, but it's all we also use the space, the theater space, which is just a big black space, pretty much with uh, with a stage. And we use that a lot for uh, sweat shows um if you watch us on saturday nights that's usually i think saturdays and friday nights the shows that uh some of the other sweat guys put on are streamed from the space there from the grindstone so that's an awesome spot to check out if you're ever in edmonton once things open up anyways we've had the patio open a little bit but uh yeah we just got patios shut down again as of i think it was sunday this past sunday
0: yeah, I was. I wanted to speak to you a little bit about that too. That's that's pretty crazy that they've shut everything down again because I'm sure it was just last week or something that I saw you playing, finally getting to play on a patio in front of people. Albeit, I, I snuck one in, just one, before they closed it again. <laughs> yeah, albeit, <laughs> yeah, that was at the
1: grindstone. But what's, what's super awesome, uh, actually, another, uh, like what we keep coming back to, another... Uh, like happy accident that's come at us from, from COVID is that all these patios have now like doubled in size across the city. It seems everywhere you look, it's like, these patios are growing (laughs) because uh, and which sucks that they've closed it now because a lot of places seem to have invested a bunch of money into extending their patios because that's all they were allowed to do. And then of course they close it again, but I mean, hopefully it doesn't last too long. And if they do allow the patio thing again, I think it's going to be an awesome summer here um with all these massive patios
0: <laughs> yeah i think uh, i think what you said earlier it was absolutely spot on and t- like with the roaring 20s being back and i seen the second carnation i think once things open up and and i'm i mean fully open up and we can have multiple people in one area i think it's going to be chaos and you're going to see these patios and uh, these venues who have managed to survive really start to thrive and see some amazing, amazing events going on that are packed full of people. And hopefully in turn, then that gives you guys more recognition and the credit that you used deserve for sticking at it through this, because I know that there's been a lot of people who have uh, who have shied away from, from music in general over this term, just because they've just got disheartened that they can't play out to people. And I mean you've saw people turn to things like producing others turn to Twitch and things like that so they can keep playing but there are there are a lot of artists who have just kind of put it on the shelf and and given it up which is is sad but I mean it's good for you guys that have still been working hard and uh, you guys will hopefully get a lot of a lot of bookings and play some crazy parties when everything opens up here yeah, man, it's, it's easy to get, uh, you know, discouraged and lose your motivation in this,
1: in this pandemic. But yeah, fantastic that some new outlets have
0: emerged. Yeah. And the other thing I wanted to talk to you about here is you kind of mentioned it earlier. So you were a part of Sweat from, what, roughly 2016, you said? Somewhere around about there yeah 2016 i think
1: because that's when twist closed so yeah and it was shortly after and then okay. in like 2018 i i actually went and lived in new zealand for a year so i took off and then they welcomed me back with open arms when i got back
0: yeah that's what i wanted to get at here was you mentioned that you went traveling for a year or just over a year and i know that you've you went traveling. When you say you went traveling, you went traveling, you went to a lot of places. Um, so like when you were traveling, what was it like being away from the music? Or were you still playing gigs, or were you still managing I to get managed spots to or? still
1: play gigs, but it took a while. It took it was not for the first six months, but yeah, I went and lived in New Zealand for a year on a working holiday, which is super easy to get. You just pay the New Zealand government 200 bucks and like two days later. I was approved for a working holiday. And so I did some like, uh, some carpentry work throughout New Zealand. And I actually, I actually, uh, it's kind of funny, I I had lined up a construction job before I went and had this company um, agree to pay to ship my tools there. And so I, I didn't have that many tools, but I had a very big crate. So I ended up i almost didn't do it man and then i was like you know what i can't do it i i need to bring my decks <laughs> and so i threw in my dj controller with my tools in this paid for shipment and i was so happy i did because that once <laughs> it took like three months to arrive i was in the country for like three months without music and i don't know man it's, it definitely changes my mood i i, I kind of it's my outlet you know it has been for years so those three months were tough and at first I didn't realize what it was because I was missing music but anyway when they got there I was so happy. And then uh was I was traveling all over the country of New Zealand and never really managed the big cities are tough right like Auckland and Wellington yeah. but I ended up living in a small town called Wanaka which has a very like Banff Canadian Rockies vibe because it's in the it's in the Alps of New Zealand and it's like 10,000 15,000 people but Huge tourist town, like ski in the winter, it's a ski bum town. In the summer, it was like a, like a, a lake town, basically. And, uh, so they had an awesome music scene and a few clubs in the small town because there was always the population was always like twice its number in tourists. And I ended up getting some gigs there, a couple of residencies actually. And the scene down there was very drum and bass. And so. Um, I, there wasn't many people, I, I was so into the disco now, all thanks to sweat, yeah. right? They got me into the disco and then I took that down to New Zealand and ended up getting a few gigs at some also really awesome intimate type venues that you'd probably love, yeah. like 100 person capacity venues, cocktail lounge
0: vibe. Yeah, I know that down there they are very heavily into their drum and bass and their their dubstep and things like that. I mean, it's, it's starting to grow. More so I guess Australia, you're seeing a lot more of the tech housey stuff and house music and things like that. But I know uh, New Zealand is more drum and bass focused, very similar to the kind of same to the big events that are going on in Canada. Yeah, yeah they've got definitely are, more kind of a hippie vibe. Like I yeah. like I said, it was very uh
1: very BC vibe, which is just like that mountain town, people living in camper vans, uh doing fire dances and playing drum and bass. There was a, it was really cool. I got to play a, uh, what they call a bush doof and that's what they call like a a field party or a bush party. Oh, okay. It's like D O O F. I think it's cause it's like doof, like, like the bass
0: thumb.
1: <laughs> yeah. So yeah, the, a bush doof. And this guy showed up with a, uh, like this, everybody in New Zealand buys camper vans basically and converts them. I didn't, I personally rented an apartment in town, but a lot of the people who do what I did and go on working holidays, they go there, they buy a van. Sometimes they come renovated already. They'll buy it off someone who's leaving on a work at the end of their working holiday. But some of them are so, like really cool and kitted out. And this guy had his open up and he had, it was a small controller, but he had a small pioneer controller that popped out the back and like a really awesome sound system, like in all the doors and like lights and stuff. So we, we he rolled up to like the side of this river and the mountains, and there was probably like 50 people and this guy's Volkswagen van opens up and people started doing fire dances and there was like five DJs playing and everybody was playing drum and bass pretty much except me. Which I, I, People appreciate that change sometimes, right? When
0: it's the, it's the one genre all night. A little bit of different vibes and uh and I guess just opening people up to new music as well, right? Like when you've got Maybe four or five drum drum based DJS. It's almost nice to have that switch up and something refreshing, and to uh, kind of look at things from a new angle, where it gives you that second burst of energy, that second second push to to keep partying and keep dancing. But yeah, it's um, kind of like a new chapter has started, right? When you feel that change in the in the vibe for a bit. Yeah, exactly. And I know that you were down there for a while. I also saw uh you were in England for a little while yeah man I've done I've done a lot
1: like probably 20 countries at least in my lifetime but uh I've I've been really really lucky with uh like England I just hung out and stuff I did end up meeting a guy who's a DJ who hopefully I get to visit with one day and maybe even play with but um I've been really lucky with uh just making some good connections to DJ in countries and like nothing huge like Very, very like what, who, you know, more than what I know. And I got to DJ in Switzerland, which is really cool in a town called Basel, which is, which happened just through purely through connection, which like that, that goes way back to my Brampton, Ontario days. And there was a a Swiss exchange student who came to school and I was like one, like pretty much his first friend ended up introducing him to all sorts of people, bringing him to these all age club events that we were into at the time. And, you know, we, we stayed in touch And at the time, actually, like I, I used to like try and rap at the time I was going through a hip hop phase and uh, he was an amazing beatboxer. So that was like one of the ways we bonded is we would uh, often cut class to smoke weed and beatbox and rap and stuff and uh, but, like fast track. So he was only in town for, you know, the nine months or whatever a high school term is. Yeah. And then he, so fast track, like five years later. He's back in Switzerland and Basel and I'm living in Edmonton and we've both become house music DJs. So we started sending each other back and forth some uh, mixes and whatnot. And then one day I ended up in Europe. Yeah. Like I went to England, did a bunch of countries, but messaged him like, yo, what's a, what's a good time. If I'm here from this date to this date, when should I stop by? And he said, stop by Halloween weekend and you can DJ this massive party with me. And it was my first time playing outside of Canada. I played like in Edmonton and Calgary and like a little bit in BC. But yeah, I got to DJ in Switzerland. And as you know, it's very different vibe over in Europe. Because I, I it was really funny when he first told me my set time. I think I think it was like one till two or one till three. And I was just like, what? That's crazy. Peak hours. And he's like, no, man, peak hours is like four till eight a.m. Like, come yeah. on. <laughs> this, is, this is Europe. And I was like, oh. So we're still kind of the warm-up DJ, but we're playing at Uh, Like 1am which is a crazy concept to me as a Canadian abroad for the first time
0: (laughs) yeah over there they don't have uh, they don't have many restrictions in terms of shutting the clubs down at 2am or 3am like they just go and go I mean I know uh, there's there's clubs that or even like Awakenings Festival the festival ends at 11pm and then the after party is on until 10am and then the festival opens at 11 the next day so, like, you literally have enough time to travel between venues. Like, there's about it. Like, there's something. That's like what, who are, we're
1: like, what is that place open? Like, 72 hours in a row?
0: Yeah. Friday they, until Sunday? Yeah, they open on Friday and close on Sunday, and there's no, there's no like close in. I right. think they, they even close it on Monday, don't they? Is it? <laughs> I don't know. I ha- Unfortunately, I haven't been. That is one of the dreams is to get the opportunity yeah. to go there and uh, at least experience it once in my life. But I don't know. Well,
1: I mean, I think like Montreal is the only one, or like Quebec, I guess, that uh, they have like a three AM last call. And then Toronto, in recent years, was starting to do if there was live music and DJs included, that they could play. I think until like four or oh, five in the morning. I believe it. I, I went. I went to Toronto a few years ago and I saw Patrick Topping. It was an awesome show. But oh, uh, I'm pretty sure that he played till five AM. Last
0: call was at four though. I well, think. well, was this? Would this have been 2017? In where? In uh... Coda for Patrick Yeah, Tophon. In Coda, yeah. yeah. Dude, you I, was a a, I was at that event with my girlfriend. No, way. That's said crazy. Coda. I was <laughs> I at, was at like that event with my girlfriend. girlfriend.
1: I, <laughs> I was there with my girlfriend at the time. That was like yeah. right before I moved to New Zealand.
0: <laughs> that is ridiculous. It's funny how small a world it is. Yeah, that was... Uh, that wasn't That was was one... a scripted. Oh, shit. <laughs> I didn't yeah. even know that. That was one. Uh, so her parents had moved out to London, Ontario, and she'd went with them and a hadn't for a little bit. So, yeah, we were, I was looking at what can we go and do? And uh, I checked on Resident Advisor and I was like, oh, shit, Patrick Toppin's playing. I want to go and see that. So he's from like Northern England, isn't he? He's, he's from Newcastle. Um, I'm sure he went to university in Scotland, so he plays a lot of gigs up there. I know he's very heavily involved with Terminal B that play out of Edinburgh. It's like this uh festival where they have they play at Edinburgh Airport and they have like two or three airplane hangers that they fill. It's, it's pretty crazy.
1: What? That sounds awesome.
0: <laughs> but yeah, I've saw him a few times and I think that was been the first time I saw him. There was also another guy who played on that set list who uh I ended up talking to after that and I've been trying to get him on here, but he's so busy that I feel like I'm just harassing him at this point. His name is Boutros. Yeah, he's, he he's a in. Toronto DJ? He's a Toronto DJ. Yeah, he was He was also another guy that... Uh, so, like, when when we were there, uh, I went outside for air or whatever, and he was just standing out there, and I was just, like, standing chatting away to him. I didn't realize who it was, and then he's like, oh, yeah, I was just playing or whatever. I was like, what the... F-? So I ended up talking to him. I've been harassing him a little bit to come on here, hopefully hopefully he agrees and we can talk to him but no that's crazy that you were at the same event that we were at uh way back then who knew we could have we could have met three yeah, years right, ago, right. four years ago whatever it
1: was but obviously mutual interests <laughs> you and i so that's why
0: <laughs> yeah that's crazy that event seemed to have had everyone cuz i spoke to another dj on one of the other episodes a few weeks ago here too and she was at that same event also but it
1: wasn't what, that what a small world yeah it wasn't until after claude Von stroke <laughs> was playing
0: in toronto that that same
1: night like and i almost went to that instead but uh i think i'd seen claude von stroke a few times because he plays at Trombolo and stuff and so i'd never yes. seen patrick went to that and i brought like my, my girlfriend at the time was like not as knowledgeable on dance music as me and i was with like four other friends or whatever i think it was my birthday weekend actually though Is why they all let me let me drag them along. But none of them knew who Patrick Topping was. But in the end, like everyone had the craziest time and everyone was talking about him after it was such a good show. I think he played like five hours too. I think he was like midnight till 5 a.m. or at least
0: it felt like five hours. And he's someone (laughs) as well who at that time he was just kind of breaking through. Like I guess he was still relatively big in Europe, but in terms of over here, he, he hadn't really he was still playing on the kind of opening slots in Ibiza and uh, still kind of finding his groove. But in recent years, especially since COVID kicked off, I mean, and he launched his label, he's someone that's just blew up. And everywhere I go, on the radio, online, everything you see is either Trick Label or Patrick Top. And he just everything. He touches, his label, yeah. Everything he touches turns to gold nowadays. And uh, yeah, no, that's that's so cool that you were at that same event and. I think I was in a similar situation where my girlfriend wasn't so so thrilled that we were supposed to be going for this. She's not as much of a dance music person as I am, but uh, on the way home, she was like, that was amazing. Yeah, um, that was I think show. we planned that because there was supposed to be, so I flew in on the Thursday and there was supposed to be uh, an event on the Friday night. So I think it was like Recondite and one of the other kind of melodic, like hypnotic. EME maybe and Recondite playing the, the night before somewhere else and I was trying I was trying to plan it so I could go to both and uh, I think on the Friday night we ended up we went out for dinner beforehand and I ended up a write off by about 10 p.m. I think I was in my bed <laughs> took a little bit too far but you know the, the, the,
1: I think the night before Gorgon City I think that was the same trip I saw Gorgon City at the Opera Theatre that weekend was that Gorgon City Hannah wants and so. No, this was a, they did maybe no, but they did a live show that one. So that was really cool to see. Like they had their uh, they had vocalists on their new album, and like they they weren't playing on CDJs or anything. They were playing on MIDI controllers and
0: electric drum kits and stuff. That's a that's a whole new level of talent when you get people who are doing that. Like, cool no, man, I'm
1: really into that like uh, like crossover band thing that's happening. You know, like Bob Moses and Rufus the Soul. And like, I mean, I have a little bit of experience on instruments and that would be really awesome to do, but
0: I don't, I'm not quite set up for it yet. <laughs> I think the downside to that as well is it's a, it's a bit of a headache having to uh, make, sh- like, you know what it's like in terms of technical issues, being a DJ. And when but you there's a whole crossover, like that- it
1: kind of goes back. We're almost like taking a couple steps back to like having bands again and yeah in between bands you know there's tear down and setup for the next act so there's a lot of that and then yeah I'm traveling now with your gear because you're probably yeah. it's easy to it's easy to put a rider out for uh a set of cdjs or whatever but you know no you want all this technical gear and stuff you're probably going to be traveling with it
0: yeah and i think uh, there's so much potential for for things to go wrong, to adds an extra amount of stress, especially if you're playing in a smaller venue and you're not one of these guys who's got few like a few people running around after them, making sure everything's perfect and are charging a fortune for their uh, for their slots. But no, it's it's definitely something that's cool, and I've saw a few people do it, and it's it's uh, it's a new level of creativity in terms of being in the moment and playing uh I guess, playing what you feel, right? You you, ha- you really have the freedom, even though a lot of it is still pre-planned and organized. There's still that element of, uh, of freedom to do whatever you want and take things in whatever direction you want to take it. But throughout your time, I guess, you said you've been to a lot of countries, you've been to a lot of places in Europe and you've been in New Zealand, things like that do you think traveling to these places has had an influence on the kind of music you play or do you think it's mostly stayed similar with maybe just more artists that you're aware of or? Oh, it's definitely
1: had an influence on that. I got really into uh, like some really jungly stuff. Like I did some Asia traveling and I even had, I was even lucky enough to play in Asia and DJ there a little bit. And that got me into like, I mean, sometimes I feel like I often go back to the disco, but it's definitely opened my eyes to other genres. And from time to time, you know, I do find myself now playing things I never would have played a year or two ago. Like I got really into the tribal kind of Afro beats type stuff for, just from being in the jungle so much. And I mean, as much as I love disco, sometimes you want to switch it up, of course. So it helps to have traveled and seen all these different styles and like, I even have a new appreciation for drum and bass, and I mean every every piece of music is a work of art. And you, just because it's not your your thing sometimes, it's I've definitely seen the the appeal to it, even if it's not my kind of my kind of stuff. You know?
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, well, I think we're coming up on the hour here. I appreciate you taking the time to sit down and speak to me. Um, it's been fantastic to hear your journey so far and i'm sure we'll definitely when everything opens back up we'll get to catch up with you and hopefully we'll get to do one of these in person and uh we can actually sit down and we can see what's what's been going on when everything opens up i'm sure it'll be chaotic for you out in edmonton um right man or we could meet up at Coda in toronto again (laughs) yeah we could end up there easy (laughs) i mean i'm sure i'm sure it will happen or um but yeah, if you just want to let everyone, before we go, let everyone know where they can find you and give yourself a little bit of a shout out on all the platforms that you've been operating on. Yeah, man. So,
1: like, I mean, look me up on Instagram and stuff because I uh, by following my stories on Instagram is probably the best way to stay up to date. You know, I try and use that as my main promotion method. It's Will Hemphrey. Hemphrey is spelt like it sounds. I'm sure uh, I could send you over a logo or something and you could throw it up. And uh, from there, you'll find links to our Twitch. So myself, of course, I'm representing Sweat Y-E-G. If you guys are ever in Edmonton, come check us out. Check out the Grindstone Theater. Find us on Twitch, Sweat Y-E-G, and find myself, Will Hemphrey, on Twitch. Same as my Instagram handle. Thank you again for having me on, Charles. <laughs> it's been a pleasure. And yeah, yeah no looking problem. forward to the next time. I'll, I'll get you that mix, and hopefully everybody enjoys some uh, some of that Will Hemphrey sound. <laughs>
0: yeah definitely I'm sure it'll be an absolute banger and uh, I'm sure the people will love it but yeah I would love to have you in Regina at some time as well and hopefully we'll be putting on some shows when things permit uh, sometime down the line so I'd love for you to be a part of that and uh, we'll definitely need to catch up soon but yeah thank you very much for joining as well I really appreciate you taking the time to do this and uh, to join me again yeah cool man thank you again yeah So as always, thanks very much for tuning in for another episode of A Little House in the Prairie podcast. If you haven't already, check out Will's mix. It was posted to the SoundCloud on Friday, along with all of the other mixes that we've had up until this point. You can also find every podcast leading up to this one on our YouTube, on Google Podcasts, and on Apple Podcasts. So make sure to go and give them a listen and to subscribe to the channel. Take it easy. Cheers. (laughs)